The list of Paul's friends and ministry companions in Colossians 4 is a reminder that Jesus is greater than. For example, he is greater than ethnic tensions, evidenced by the Jews and Gentiles that were part of Paul's ministry team. Jesus is greater than the failures of your past. Just ask Onesimus, the runaway slave, and John Mark who once quit the ministry. Jesus is also greater than the pleasures of this life. Consider Demas who deserted Paul, having loved this present world. Finally, Jesus is greater than the sufferings you experience as one of his disciples. Remember my chains, Paul said, as he closed his letter to the Colossians. Jesus is greater than anything you are presently facing. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and I've got some good news for you today. You are loved beyond your failures. You are loved beyond your past. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Well, God's love for you is unconditional. No matter your mistakes or failures, you are loved beyond measure, and he who began a good work in you shall bring it to completion. Today's message is coming your way next. Stay right here or listen on demand from our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Faith, Relationships, and Hospitality. Early on in Mark's life, he was a quitter. Do you remember in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were being sent out on their first missionary journey by the church in Antioch, and Barnabas brought along his cousin named John Mark. And they all you know, went out on their missionary journey, but somewhere along the way, we don't know exactly why, but John Mark said, nah, I'm done with this. He quit and went home. Paul was furious. He says, I don't need any quitters on my team. I don't need people who make a commitment to something and then, they, then they're out of here, they quit. And we, in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas were ready to be sent out on their second missionary journey. And Barnabas reaches back, grabs his cousin Mark, and wants to bring him along. And the Bible says a conflict arose between Paul and Barnabas. It was a heated conflict. Barnabas says, let's bring him along. Paul says, no way. I don't need any quitters. And the Bible says at that point, Paul and Barnabas went their separate directions. It's a wonderful story to illustrate how God can even use a conflict between two godly men and, and use it to send the gospel out in different directions. But eventually, Mark became useful not only to Barnabas, but useful to the Holy Spirit as well because he wrote the gospel according to Mark. To Mark's credit, the man who started out failing and quitting uh, put that aside, and he became uh, faithful in his service to the Lord. And to Paul's credit, he recognized the change in Mark, and he found grace, grace enough to say uh, to the uh, Colossians, uh, concerning Mark, you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Isn't that a great story? It's a wonderful story of redemption 
and a reminder that Jesus is greater than the failures of your past. Thirdly, Jesus is greater than the pleasures of this world. He's greater than the pleasures of this world. Verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. That's all we get is just the name of a guy named Demas who had been part of Paul's ministry team for some time. The New Testament mentions Demas three times. Once in Paul's letter to Philemon where uh, Demas is mentioned along with other faithful servants that were part of Paul's ministry team. Then he's mentioned here, just his name dropped in. Uh, you know, Luke and Demas say, tell the folks back in Colossae we said hello. And then in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we have the third time Demas is mentioned. And this is where the sad commentary comes in. Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's the last time we hear of Demas. Demas was once considered a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and a faithful team member, a useful team member in Paul's ministry, but there came a point where Demas quit. Mark quit at the beginning of his ministry and later came back to be faithful. Demas appeared to be faithful all these years, but at the end, he quit. One day, he just packed his bags up and he left. And Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. You ever been in a situation where a team member just ups and leaves and forsakes you? Your head's kind of left spinning, wondering, what's this all about? In Demas's case, Paul says he loved this present world. Kind of reminds me of what First uh, John chapter uh, uh, two says, where John talks about um, not not being in love with the world, because if you're in love with the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Uh, he's talking about the world system. You, you can't be in love with the world system, which John defines as being characterized by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. He says you can't love all of that and the love of the Father being in you at the same time. It reminds me also of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve two masters. John says you, you, know, you can't love the world and the Father at the same time. You're going to have to make a choice. And somewhere along the way, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, what he saw out there that was, you know, available, that maybe he coveted too much, he wanted too much of this world, the boastful pride of life, we don't know which one, maybe it was all three that got a foothold in Demas's heart. And for all those years, maybe leading up to the time of his departure, there was the thin veneer of religiosity. He was going through the motions. Everybody would look in and say of Demas, oh, he loves Jesus. He would even sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. But at the end of the day, according to the Scriptures, he loved this present world more than he loved God and more than he loved Jesus. Here's the question for us today, and it's from a negative example here. Is Jesus to you greater than the pleasures of this world. And I guarantee you the devil himself is dangling some of that in front of you, just like he did to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember the story there? The two trees, the tree of life, 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord said, don't eat from this one. The devil walks in. And he says, did God really say? He cast doubt upon the Word of God to Eve. She began to think. And then he said, look at that tree. Ah, the lust of the eyes. It'll be good to you when you eat it. Ah, the lust of the flesh. And when you eat it, you will be like God, the boastful pride of life. This has been the devil's strategy ever since the Garden of Eden. And, and he, he works it every day. He's enticing you. He's enticing me. He's saying, you know, following Jesus is hard, the sacrifices you make. But look at the world. The world is like an oyster for you. And if you're not careful, if you don't deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life may in fact get the best of you. And like Demas, you say, I'm checking out of here. This ain't worth it. Not that Demas lost his salvation. Maybe he never had it in the first place. He had the thin veneer of religiosity. But when push comes to shove, he loved the world more than he loved Jesus. Uh, the story of Colossians is that Jesus is greater than that. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, the, the sufferings of this world uh, are nothing compared to the glories that we receive in Christ. And that brings me to number four. Jesus is greater than the sufferings you experience as a follower of Jesus. Here, Paul is our example. And I want us to finish out in verse 18. I love the way Paul ends his letter to the Colossians here. He says, I, Paul, writing this greeting with my own hand... Sometimes he had a secretary uh, to, to whom he dictated his, his epistles. This one he wrote with his own hand. It was very personal. And then he says this, remember my chains. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, Faith, Relationships, and Hospitality. But first, we want to share some exciting news about the latest book from Something Good Publishing and a special offer for you. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get Your Kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the Biblical Route 66. Join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. 
That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, My relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a a bird's-eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel through this media ministry. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Faith, Relationships, and Hospitality. And then he finishes, grace be with you. I want to focus on that phrase, remember my chains for a moment. Remember, Paul was under house arrest. He was literally chained to a Roman soldier. That was his first imprisonment. Later, he would go to the Mamertine prison in Rome which was right near the Roman Forum and the Roman Colosseum. It was the place to which uh, um, prisoners went uh, who were agitators of Rome, and they were awaiting execution. Uh, Tradition has it that Paul was there before he was beheaded, and possibly even Peter before he was crucified upside down. Catherine and I were in Italy the past couple of weeks, and we spent some time in Rome, and we, my, my, my lovely wife called an audible one day. We had a guide showing us around the city, and uh, there were two places that she wanted to go that were not on our itinerary. Uh, one was a place called Trey Fontaine. It was the place where the Apostle Paul was executed, and there's a, a beautiful abbey uh, that is still working with uh, priests and nuns that are there uh, commemorating the time and the place where the Apostle Paul Uh, was executed, his head chopped off by Nero himself, uh, or under the direction of Nero. And then uh, St. Paul's Basilica. Now, I know if you know anything about Rome, even remotely, you think of St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican. That's the most famous of the basilicas. There are actually uh, four basilicas in the Vatican system that um, are in Rome. St. Peter's is the most famous, but they say the most important is St. John's because that's the one to which the Pope is assigned. You have St. Mary's, and then you have St. Paul's Basilica. And we we asked to to go out to uh, St. Paul's Basilica, which is just outside the old city gates and the old walls of Rome because that's where non-Roman citizens were buried in the necropolis, the cemetery out there, or uh, agitators of Rome. 
and both Paul and Peter were executed outside the Roman uh, city gates, and they were buried outside the Roman city gates. Peter over here in St. Peter's Basilica, but St. Paul's Basilica, nobody really knows about. I didn't even know about it. We didn't even know about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful basilica. Do we have a picture of it? There it is. These are massive, massive facilities. There are 30,000 people a day that visit the Vatican and St. Peter's Basilica and St. Peter's uh, Square is just bustling with people. We had the place virtually to ourselves. We walked in, it was as quiet as a church mouse. And you got a sense just with the massive volume of the ceilings and the almost football length, you know, field, uh, you know, approach to the altar there. You just walked humbly into the presence of God. These basilicas were built that way to inspire that kind of worship. If you walk all the way down the center aisle there, you'll come to the tomb of the Apostle Paul. And um, there it is. And if you look carefully, there's a little box, a little light box just above the tomb. And if you zoom in a little bit closer, there it is. Paul says, remember my chains. And whether those are an actual chain that was chained to Paul's wrist and to a Roman soldier, we don't exactly know, but it's a good representation. Frequently throughout the New Testament, Paul makes reference to his imprisonment. He calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Frequently, he says, remember, remember my chains. Remember that there was no sacrifice too great for the advancement of the gospel. Remember, Paul prayed not for the prison doors to be open and for him to be released and for his personal freedom. No, he, he prayed for the gospel door to be opened for him to have the opportunity to continue preaching the same gospel that put him in chains in the first place. He says, remember my chains, and the remembrance of his chains is a remembrance of a guy who laid it all out there for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the most important thing to you today? Come on. It's not your creature comforts. For the limited time we have on this earth, it's how God would use any one of us, let alone us collectively, to advance the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, even if it puts us in chains. This is the, the life testimony of the Apostle Paul. He was under house arrest for a period of time, for about two years, awaiting an audience with Nero. Then he was released. But later he was, uh, tradition tells us that he was sent to the Mamertine prison. Rome built, or Rome uh, burned to the ground in 64 AD. And politically, people were blaming Nero. He was a megalomaniac. And he, he, he flipped the politics and blamed the Christians. Nero was known for setting torches along the streets of Rome, torches made of Christians. They would light them up at night and burn them like candelabras. He blamed the Christians for, for the burning of Rome because they did not follow our pagan gods. 
because guys like Paul and Peter and others talked about the one true God, this Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins and was buried and rose again from the dead. And by 67 AD, Nero had turned the politics, and two of the greatest agitators of Rome were Peter and Paul. And Nero ordered the execution of both of them. You can visit the place where Paul was executed at Trefontaine, outside the city gates. This Roman citizen was branded an agitator of Rome and was kicked outside the city gates. There's a pedestal there that they believe is where he laid his head as the blade came and severed his head from his body. And then he was buried just outside in the necropolis. And in time, St. Paul's Basilica was built to commemorate that. Jesus is greater than any suffering we may experience as a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul said in his letter to the, to the Corinthians, the sufferings of this life are nothing, nothing compared to the glory that we receive in Christ Jesus. These chains were nothing to Paul, but a reminder that no sacrifice is too great. No sacrifice is too great for the cause of the gospel. Do you have anything in your life to which you would give that kind of sacrifice financially? Your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever it is. Remember my chains, Paul says. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Faith, Relationships, and Hospitality. Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Well, Ron, here we are once again at the end of another great teaching series. And as we wrap it up for today, do you have any final thoughts about today's message or about the series in general? I sure do, Brian. You know, in order to better understand the practical instruction of the book of Colossians, we first need to make sure we understand the theology behind it, which Paul outlines in the first half of the book. Once we have that foundation, once we understand that Jesus is truly greater than, once we grasp the new identity we have in Christ and the idea that His power is at work in us to will and to act according to His will, we begin to see a clearer picture of his practical instruction, and it all begins to make sense. For example, the subject of marriage. Ultimately, it begins vertically, not horizontally. And what I mean is this, when we love God first, we love our spouse best. Wives, when you submit to your husband's leadership, you're ultimately submitting to God because he's the one who asks you to do it. Husbands, when you love your wives as Christ loved the church, uh, you're sacrificing to meet her needs. Uh, that's the theological aspect of Colossians that makes the practical application of Paul's instruction come alive. Everything begins and ends with God's love for you and your love for God. Uh, that's when you'll begin to see the deep roots of your faith. That's when you'll begin to see the power of Christ living in you. That's when you'll see Jesus for who he really is the groom who gave himself up for his bride and is now helping us to, to live that same kind of sacrificial life. Not because he wants us to abide by some arbitrary list of do's and don'ts, but because he wants us to live the most joyful and fulfilling life possible. And he is the one who knows exactly what it takes to make our joy on earth complete. 
Such a great answer, Ron. Thanks for sharing those final thoughts from your series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Well, Ron, the clock is winding down as usual, so let's get to our preview of what's coming our way tomorrow as you begin your next series. Yes, thank you, Brian. You know, Jesus made a lot of statements in the Bible that not only spoke to his deity, uh, but also distinguished him from anyone who has ever lived. He was not just one of many deified humans. Uh, He was and is the one and only. So as we get into this series, I'm going to talk about who Jesus claims to be and how we can know that he actually is who he claims to be. And this is important, not just because it will help us gain a better understanding of who Christ is, but it will help us go out and share that truth with others who may be asking the very same question, why Jesus? That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones begins his teaching series, Why Jesus? Seven reasons he is still the one and only. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.